Hello and welcome to this episode of Battling with Business with me, Chris Kitchener. And me, Gareth Tennant. In this podcast, we're hoping to explore ideas and concepts around teams and teamwork, leaders and leadership and all things in between. It's a discussion between a former Royal Marines officer and a product manager from the world of business, comparing and contrasting our experiences as we attempt to work out what makes teams, leaders and businesses tick. And so, Gareth, this week... The podcast is sponsored by Pogo, a fruity pale ale. That's very dramatically done. Let's get on with it. So today, uh, I think we wanted to talk about um, one of those topics that, again, as with all these cases, we, we sort of come back to in different ways, strategy. I think an interesting place to start, I've got, as you can imagine, as always the case, lots to talk about from a strategy perspective, from a business perspective but i wonder given sort of your background and the military side of things whether it's worth us starting there so maybe a good place to start is gareth tell us about strategy and maybe maybe we start what is strategy not that's a good way to start that's a expansive question so i think there's a there's an interesting question about how much you want to define something and we were talking about this just before we started recording. The idea that by being definitive about what something is, when it's such an ethereal and widely used term, such as strategy, um, we're in danger of firstly alienating a lot of people, and secondly, becoming beholden by the argument of definition. But I think there is definitely areas that strategy isn't and the term is used quite a lot so the word tactics and the word strategy are quite often used synonymously but they are not synonyms so whatever strategy is and we're going to get into that it's not tactics tactics is the application of capability in the here and now to solve a task so whether that's taking a hill and charging towards the enemy, that is a tactic. Or whether it's... Lowering price. Lowering price to attract new new customers. That's a tactic. You do tactics in order to achieve strategic effects. But they are different things. Um, I think as we get into a discussion about what strategy is, we'll come back to Yeah, that. absolutely. I mean, I, I yeah, because I want to talk about... I think there's there's elements of scale if that's a reasonable word and element of time as well yes. which part plays into it sorry yeah. carry on strategy maybe so, okay what is it so yeah well you've just mentioned two very interesting things so the temporal reference time and spatial reference sort of and scale so in a military context scale and space go together because um the amount of forces you have is relational to the amount of ground you can defend or, or sort of effect um, and so when we talk about scale we also talk about the size of the map that we're dealing with um, and so in a military context there is a very very clear relationship between the term strategy and the scale of the problem so you might look at something very tactically applying capability to solve problems and you're looking at a very very sort of large scale close-in map of the ground, a very small area. Whereas when you're looking at strategically how you're going to affect an area, you're going to have a very, very small scale 
very large area of ground on your map and going to be talking sort of very ethereally about affecting it. Well, I was going to say, let, let's let's turn this into sort of simple terms. And this is, unfortunately, the people who've worked with me have heard me use these analogies. My take on this, and this is when I look you carefully in the eye to see whether I'm way off on this, is the strategy in the Second World War was to defeat the enemy, to take their ground and to cease fighting. Tactics were, we need to get to Europe and therefore we will plan a thing called D-Day. And D-Day is a tactic, and a strategy is how you're going to feed. You're already laughing. Yeah. So, so, but that's that's a good place to start well, with. Well, I think Fi- fix that here be me. dragons, because the moment you start talking about what, especially with, within a military historical context, there will be people who say, no, 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 there was a strategy. Overlord was a strategy. D-Day was strategic. Um, you know, there is a... A relationship between tactics and strategy, but at every level that you look at a problem, at every level of abstraction, somebody's strategy becomes somebody else's tactics. So it, it's very dangerous to start saying, that was tactics, this is strategy. Um, but what I would say is there isn't a direct relationship between time. You can have very, very strategic things that happen very quickly. Um, there isn't a direct relationship between space and scale. You can have strategic things that are individual, and you can have tactical things that are for whole organisations. But there is a, a coherence. So I rarely prepare properly for these, as opposed to us coming on to about. But I did a bit of research, and there was um, th- there was a definition which I found, and I want to read it out. Not so much to claim it's the right definition, but I want you to almost critique it or talk about it. Because I liked this definition as a, as a strategy, as a plan of action designed to achieve a long-term or overall aim. How do you, how do you rate that? Because for me, that was quite useful. Yeah. It, it, it's a, a plan of action, which implies multiple things yeah. to achieve a long-term. There was an element there of it's not just I'm doing a thing today to get a thing. Yeah. Potentially long-term. And I like the overall aim a series of activities which together will achieve a thing. Yeah. I mean, not critique, it's maybe the wrong word. How close is that to something you like as a definition, assuming there are multiple? I'm not repelled by it. It's <laughs> um, not, it's not. So great. I have a definition of strategy, which is strategy is the achievement or achieving of one or more goals over the long term under conditions of uncertainty. That's not that far off that, so I quite like it, but I think it's important to stress the conditions of uncertainty because if you don't have uncertainty, you don't need a strategy. What you need is a Gantt chart because what you're doing is allocating resources to a known problem. With strategy, I think it's absolutely vital to recognise the uncertainty, the lack of information that you don't currently have when planning the allocation of capability. And nothing is you know, more indicative of that than conflict, where not only are there lots of things you don't know because they're hidden from you, there's lots of uncertainties in the future about how things are going to go. The weather's going to affect things. The terrain's going to affect things. The enemy are also trying to undermine what you're doing. And in the competitive world of business, I, I was about you to say exactly well, the I, same. I, I think it's it's a, another one of those classic weaknesses in businesses, and and totally understandable and. I, I've come from a history of in December everything gets busy because we're going to do the next year's planning brackets strategy brackets vision brackets whatever you might want 
and we sit down and say in a year's time we're going to and what's really interesting about that is the first thing is to your point it assumes a static environment environment yeah. which is not true now if i said if i said that i'm sure there's lots of business going we we never we never assume that you say yeah but you don't explicitly articulate that's not the case mm. and the second thing is this is another very classic thing which is lots of exciting work happens in december and the beginning of january and then everyone closes the the, the powerpoint presentation and the book and then they come back again the next december yeah. which and, and i think the, the reason why i think that's good to call out is your point about uncertainty is absolutely true whether it be in business or in uh in the military strategy i well i, I know you have a sort of a, a a way to describe this but i think strategy by its nature is an ever-evolving thing yeah if strategy was a point in time three months ago if you're lucky it's still a useful strategy but there's a pretty fair chance things have changed yeah i, I think you're entirely right and i'm currently writing a strategy for a large organization um, and I have to keep reminding people that I am not doing the strategy. I am writing a document that articulates what the strategy is, but that document is not the strategy. A, you know, a 100 page PDF is just a document. The strategy is the combination of the thinking that went into it, understanding where assumptions were made, and then more importantly, the implementation of that in the organization. And I think I've mentioned before this idea of you, know, you can have the best strategic thinking in the world, but if it doesn't go outside the boardroom and doesn't change the behaviour of you know, people on the shop floor, people at the edge of the organisation, if it doesn't change people's actions and therefore you're not changing tactics in relation to your environment in order to achieve your goals, then it's pointless. Well, I, I think it gets to this idea and it's useful useful again to split out it's another thing i see quite frequently is everyone gets very excited about the formulation of the strategy and then that there's a little bit of a there is less focus and perhaps less less belief of the importance of the implementation and to your yeah, point yeah. how many times if you've been in a business has whether it be in a boardroom whether it be with a, a group of senior leaders you all come to an agreement on what the strategy is and then if you walk to the person on the shop floor or even your media sort of mid managers and yeah. you ask them in a month or two months and then perhaps more importantly six months and a year's time what is the strategy if they can't begin to articulate it even in a very simplistic way there wasn't much point you doing it in the first place because yeah. these are the people that are going to deliver it for you so there's it's that going back to that point there's there's sort of and this is overly simplistic there's the formulation and there's the implementation yeah yeah i think that that's very true and there's a really good analogy for strategy that i think brings that to life and because i'm a very simple raw marine i quite like climbing up mountains uh, and this is how I think about the world. Strategy is not the plan. The route card that tells you, you know, your first leg is 2.4 kilometers and you're gonna climb 130 meters. That is not your strategy. Your strategy is the compass bearing that tells you the rough direction you need to be heading in to get to your destination. So if we think about tactics, Tactics is application of capability, so that's your ability to lead a team and to walk across the ground. 
know, with your physical fitness and your ability to, you know, pack a Bergen or pack a rucksack to go yomping up a hill. That's tactics. The way that you implement strategy to achieve your goal of getting to the destination is about making sure you align those tactics correctly so that you're not walking off in the wrong direction. So you have to align what you understand about the ground to what you understand about the environment, the weather in this case, what you understand about the team, the organisation, and come up with a plan for how you're going to tackle that journey. And of course, once you hit the mountain, once you're actually doing your tactical activity, you're starting to get information that you didn't have before. So you're reading the weather, you are studying the ground in front of you rather than just looking at it on a map. You're talking to your team and getting feedback from how they're feeling. And then you adjust your approach, leadership approach, um, the way you're talking to your team, the way you treat your team, the way you deal with situations, the, the route you're actually going on because you're going to find things out, things are going to be blocked, things are going to be easier. But you constantly check your compass to make sure that you are still heading in the right direction. Well, you, you've, I've heard you use this phrase before, and I don't want to steal it from you because it's yours, but I think this is a really great way of thinking about strategy. You've got a, a great catchword about what it is. That, that becomes really helpful, because otherwise, as we've said at the beginning, it is quite easy to get caught up in, well, hang on a minute, is this strategy, is this tech? Mm -hmm. That, it, if you find yourself spending too much time thinking, one worrying, is this strategy, is tactics? But if you think, do I have a compass that points me in the right direction? I think that becomes really useful. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna maybe drag us back all the way to the beginning. I don't think we've bottomed out this term strategy. And I say that because I think there are different ways to describe strategy. Before we do that though, let's talk a bit about where the term strategy comes from. And particularly, is this a, is this a business term? Because I think my assumption mm. was of course it's a business term. So where does the term, what, what is the word strategy from? Yeah, so it's definitely a military term. And in fact, it wasn't really heard of in, in the business world until about the 1960s. And before that, strategy didn't really appear in the business lexicon at all. Um, it goes right back to um, ancient Greece, um, and it is a, an ancient Greek word, strategia or strategios, which literally means the art of the general, or the art of generalship. And if you think about what a general is, a general is a military rank, and it's the most senior military rank. And if we go back to sort of the Hellenic, sort of Peloponnesian wars, you had very large armies that operated in very, very structured ways. You know, the Greco-Roman way of war. And very much like, like a lot of our cultural heritage in the West, it is anchored in the ancient Greco kind of ways of, ways of working and there are Greek ways of war. Um, and the art of the general was that there was one commander, the general, who would lay out the plan and then orchestrate that plan. So strategy at the very beginning was simply about commanding a very, very large body of people and capability whilst pitching yourself against the other general. Um, and you quite often see the analogy of strategy as represented as a chess game. And that is exactly that. Two opponents 
fighting over the board with their pieces. Strategy is more than that now, because of course, warfare evolved, the character of warfare changed, and we went into um, armies got bigger, as populations got bigger and more organised, um, and that hit a peak in sort of the Napoleonic um, and the, the Prussian Wars, um, with Levé en masse and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and at that point, it got to a point where one single general couldn't control and command, and we talked about command on a previous podcast, the, the entirety of the force in an efficient way that they were able to beat their opponent. Primarily because the battlefields were too big for horses to gallop around passing messages. They became so big that the means of communication wasn't fast enough. And that developed into what we've mentioned before, this idea of mission command or Alstat tactic, um, which is this idea of having delegated authority to deliver effect based on a pre-agreed outcome. So you have the autonomy now as a subordinate to make a decision based on changing conditions. And then I think the third change that we saw was the mechanisation of warfare, where we went from sort of attritional war, sort of at its height in, in the First World War, to manoeuvre warfare, with the mechanisation um, of war machines speeding up that change. And it created situations where not only did you want to delegate decision authority based on new changing events, but you also wanted at very, very low tactical levels people to be able to exploit opportunities. And that's where current military doctrine around mission command really, really came to the fore. And it's this idea of empowerment of your subordinates based on a very, very loose, but very, very clear definition of what the end result is, of what you're trying to achieve. Apart from sort of a history lesson, I think there's a lesson looking forward, whether in business or military, which is those people who treat these words as immovable, changeable things and don't understand that they evolve and they change based on the times, the situation. Right there is a really important lesson. What you described as strategy yesterday may not be what you should describe as strategy today. So I tell you what, let's um, with the sounds of of. I think there's Chinooks in the background in an undisclosed Oxfordshire location. Let's take a quick break. And what I want to do is come back and um, let's talk in a more modern sense about different kinds of strategy that we might might encounter. Very good. I'll see you after the break. Right, welcome back. So, Chris, we were talking a lot about the history of strategy, and I think I, I sort of probably took up far too much airtime talking about the history from a military perspective. I'm really interested in the commercial understanding of strategy, and we've talked about definitions, and I've talked about where it's come from, um, and I know you're nervous about 
the the idea around you know, being very prescriptive about defining strategy but I know you've also found some definitions that you seem to be very excited about so perhaps we could um, explore those a little bit I love that it's not it's not a great reflection on me when I get excited about finding definitions um you're absolutely right and I you, you've heard me talk about this in in, in previous conversations which is genuinely I get palpitations when I'm in meetings is like oh god is this strategy or is this tactics or is this a plan and I do and I've I've literally been in meetings where I think I can't say this because they're all going to point at me and laugh and say you idiot those are tactics not strategy and you think I'm joking and actually anyway the first thing experience tells me is if you're one of those people that gets a little bit of palpitations about the definitions the first thing to say is if you are even talking about these things, even if you don't use the right definitions or the right words at the right time, you're already 80% there. If, if you describe a thing you need to be doing or a goal you've got or a series of things, whether you're incorrectly calling them strategy or tactics, that's not the biggest problem you've got. You're all It's the people who aren't talking about those things that have got a problem. Or a, people, yeah. or a people who don't talk about those things enough. But So the strategy one is a... I think it's a particularly slippery term. We've already said there's lots of ways you can kind of describe it. You, you go do a bit of research and there's lots of definitions. But I wanted to sort of turn that around. I found something which, of course, loads of people will be listening to this will say, oh, you've never heard of this. You, you must be an idiot. Um, a, a chap by the name of Henry, Henry Mintzberg, who's a Canadian academic. And yeah. uh, apparently I need to start reading some of his books. He <laughs> says some interesting things. But he, back in 98... He provided five definitions of strategy. And what I'm not trying to say is this is the right, these are the right definitions. But what I like about it is when I'd finished reading them, I felt more comfortable that, oh, look, there are different contexts by which you can use the term strategy without having to point to people and say, that's yeah. not right. So he talked about the first one strategy as a plan, a directed course of action to achieve an intended set of goals similar to strategic planning. So that I think that really is the one that we've been focusing on. Yeah. But then he talks about strategy as a pattern. In other words, a consistent pattern of past behavior with a strategy realized over time rather than planned or intended. And I particularly love this one because my interpretation, at least I hope this is right, is this concept that strategy can be emergent rather than something people plan. And that might yeah. sound ridiculous. I can tell you, and I, I probably won't share specific examples to, to save the blushes, some of the most celebrated strategies in software companies that I've come across, I was there both at the beginning, the middle and the end, and I can tell you the strategy that was written in the history books as this glorious, wondrous strategy that led to success was absolutely not the strategy at the beginning. Yeah. In fact, if yeah. you'd have said that, they'd have laughed at you. But as time went on, the patterns and behaviours became the emergent strategy that smart people then said, I better write that down. That is, in fact, our strategy. So I, I mm. that's such an interesting idea that strategy can be emergent. I don't think anyone likes that because it implies out of your control and big brains aren't doing it. But I can tell you some of the most important strategies you've come across in software and the business world they didn't start with some clever person yeah. saying them. They noticed it and carried on. So I, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole. I think I think that's what we're here for. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole. But what I do want to say is with that particular definition of emergent 
patterns becoming an adopted strategy. I think we're going to talk a lot more about that when we start talking about um, complexity and when we start talking about um, managing high-performing teams in complexity in future episodes because there is definitely something about the learning by doing that comes that is definitely related to that well, emergent you know learn from what works ditch what doesn't work and, and evolve into I, so I, I think so. that is that's that's kind of I think that's a useful extension just talking about this emergent strategy as a concept which is by definition emergent strategy doesn't make it right that's an important thing to yes. say yeah. You you can you can learn bad behaviors to make bad strategies. But the ones where it's worked almost by definition it became the successful surviving strategy because people learned as they went along and yeah. going back to a point you made earlier adapted and I think the adaptation is an important part. So I don't think the recommendation is don't bother making strategy it will reveal itself. No. In fact in yeah. in those cases it typically started with a strategy that was the starting point and then over time it became more emergent. Maybe the secret is the smart organizations and businesses that are very sensitive to the evolution of their strategy. It goes back to this point of don't do it once a year, yeah. revisit it. And as you revisit it, you say, well, what have we learned? What, what's, what's working well for us? It's sort of survival of the fittest. So, yeah, so the, the, the first one was strategy as a plan. Yeah. Second one was strategy as a pattern. And these, I think, maybe are less relevant from, for our conversation today, but maybe this allows you to take the term strategy in this context and not discount it, but go, okay, that's not quite the same as the other. He talks about strategy as a position, so locating brands, products, or companies within a market. So yeah. our strategy is to be seen as the safe car company or whatever it might be. Our strategy is to strategy yeah. in, in terms of positioning yourself. Strategy as a ploy, and frankly, as an Inspector Cluzo fan, anytime anyone uses the word ploy, they're all on my side. But that that he describes as a specific manoeuvre intended to outwit a competitor so there's a short term sounds like a tactic to me exactly <laughs> I, I note note i'm yeah. on your side here mm. i'm okay with these things and strategy is a perspective so executing strategy based on the theory of business yeah. or a natural extension of the mindset or ideological perspective for the organization okay. i guess the point yeah. i'm making is we've got to be really careful about the language because i think mm. the last three are perfectly valid but they're not the same as the first two so. yeah i think that's very fair i think it's fair to recognize people use the word in different contexts and that doesn't make it wrong we just need to be very clear yeah. that when we're talking about strategy we're not talking about a position or you know a ploy we're talking about correct how we achieve things i i and i th there's this is a sort of a tangential point but this is a really practical point and i over the years, I think many of my colleagues have rolled their eyes on this. Almost the whole point of this sort of series of conversations, to some degree, is that language really matters. So we've spent 30 minutes now talking about strategy, and a significant proportion of that is, what do we mean by that and what yes. are the words? Now, for some people, they'll roll their eyes and say, just do it, stop talking about it. I, I, and I, I have a huge amount of sympathy there, but 
if you aren't clear what you mean by do it, yeah. you're in a lot of trouble. And I've seen far too many people in my career make lots of assumptions about what it means. And so to some degree, this is a bit of an academic discussion about the meaning of, of, of strategy. If it is purely an academic discussion where you go, oh, you're right, you're wrong, then stop listening, not interesting. If this helps you understand what it is you should be thinking about, how you might be thinking, how you might communicate it with your teams. What are we trying to do today? Well, we're not trying to come up with a ploy or a maneuver. No. We're trying to come up with things. We we are sitting here today to, to review, do we have an emergent strategy? What have we learned? Yeah. If that's what these conversations give you, I think that's where the value is. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think it goes back to that point we said before about you know, how does your strategy change the behaviours of people in the organisation? How does it change their tactical activity, their operations day to day? How do they change now in order to best set up the organisation for the future? That, in fact, that is really important to pause on that. That is the purpose of strategy. It yeah. is not to come up with a 20-page document. It is to change the behaviour of the people in your organisation in order to achieve your goal. So I think that's a really interesting point, and we've talked about documents and how documents by themselves are not strategy. So with that in mind, how do you take all of this clever thinking by lots of clever people about what you're trying to achieve and the uncertainties and all of the questions and the assumptions and the you know, brilliantly glossy produced PDFs, how do you turn that into the implementation within the, the workforce, within I'm, the organisation. I'm glad you asked that question because while there's a lot of uncertainty for me across all these conversations, this one is crystal clear. It's a 120-page document with three figures that is made into a PDF and emailed to everyone in the organisation. Oh, no, wait, no, 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 that's not <laughs> what it is. I, I you know, th this is about moving from formulation to implementation, I guess, and this is how do you effectively communicate this. Yeah. And we... I I was recently in a conversation and it was talking about how do we think about um, the the competencies for jobs that we hire for yep. in a product organization. So, you know, we'll all have done this before in different ways. I'm sure the military have a similar kind of thing. And it what was very clear to me was someone said, well, we've got this, this page with values. There's these three pages that talk about values. And in our particular case, they said, okay, now here's a page that talks about those values in action. And, and, and um, some, a, a very bright person in the room said, I've got three words that I use and that talks about the competencies. And, and I can't remember what those words are. My, my boss will have to um, forgive me for that. But what... What that articulated beautifully was, I was highly unlikely to read the eight pages yeah. of, gen you know, valuable, but not pithy. Comp I was never going to read that. But the three words, the three words would allow me to take that message to my team to describe it in three words, to describe it in 30 words, to describe it. In other words, the key point was... Whatever your strategy is, you have to turn it into a form that people can consume, engage with, and remember. Now, yeah. I'm taking it to an extreme here with three words, 
but I, the, the, maybe the comparison of three words versus 3,000 words, my teams are never going to read 3,000 words, yeah. but they'll engage with three. So going back to your question, how do you communicate it? I think, I think it varies. And I joked and said, you know, um, of course it's not a 300-page document. We should come back and talk about that because I think there are times when there is value in that around complexity, sophistication, size of organisation. Whatever the case is, it has to be appropriate for the people. Yeah. It has to be appropriate for the organisation. And it has to be, for whatever the context is, engaging. So that's that's yeah. sort of that's where I start was from. It, was it Ronald Reagan that said, if you're explaining, you're losing? Yes. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that, for me, I think works really well because... Um, yeah, if you're having to explain why you've written words down in your document, the essence of what you're trying to achieve is lost. So, and it, it's about, we talked about this when we talked about vision and goals. You know, this is part of the leadership challenge um, in articulating that vision and then talking about what the, what the growth path is to get there in a way that everybody can get on board with, everybody can understand without having to, you know, force people to sit through PowerPoint presentations or read but, documents. But let's, or... but let's, let's, I'm, I'm going to be kind to all the people out there who are feeling bad about the long documents they've, they've read or forced. Let's talk about why people end up arguably overcomplicating or inappropriate language. Here's the thing. People are spending a lot of time focused on it. Yeah. They're trying to contain lots of thoughts and ideas and they've had time to think about it. So in a sense... I'd almost expect that we're going to get it wrong because by definition, if you sit people in a room for three days and say, write a strategy, it's going to be... Absolutely, and there's nothing wrong with that. And as I said, I'm working on a strategy for a large organisation and I'm at about 100 pages. Um, But what I am very, very aware of is that that 100 pages is not the strategy. That 100 pages is also not the communication of the strategy. So... If people have questions about how I got to the key points on how this organisation needs to pivot to move in a different direction, I'm it's it's not just you know me winging it for half an hour and putting some words on a on a slide. It's always there, worked for me. There is there is a body <laughs> of work behind it. There is analysis behind yeah. it. But there's no point trying to tell everybody in the organisation you. Know, you don't need to explain the homework until people need that particular piece it, of the data. It's quite interesting. I've, I've, um, there's a concept that I kind of made up for myself, which was the smallest unit of useful information that you can give to a person. And I wonder whether you can apply that here, which says for the CEO of a business, the 200 page plan allows you to take in the full complexity of the business the full sophistication and depth of the plan and allows you to communicate information to almost everyone in the organisation, whether it be the board or whatever. However, the smallest unit of useful information is the person standing in front of me. If I told them everything, A, they won't be listening, and B, they'll miss the important bits. The smallest useful piece of information is what is the appropriate message which has the maximum effect yeah. and has the maximum value? And it and, and it, it rolls back to this idea of storytelling. It can be a five-minute discussion. But there's there's something I, I, I want to 
people people have to put up with us talking and and pontificating and I, I i think it's wherever we can i want to be as practical as we can and here is a practical statement for people listening tomorrow go to where you work whether it's in the military or whether it's in business world and say to your manager a manager and a person on the ground floor what is the company's strategy because I think that will be massively revealing for you. Mm-hmm. And it will tell you how close or far away you are. It will tell you your problem isn't the strategy, the problem is your communication. Yeah. Or this is awesome, the guy on the ground floor who is sweeping the floor, opening the door, answering the phone, understands why they are doing that. They yeah. understand where the compass is pointing them. Now, don't get me wrong, that's true for your values, that's true for your strategy, that's true for your goals, all these kind of things. But I would suggest you do that. Um, maybe have a drink before you do it, because inevitably it won't be as good as you think it is. But it, 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 you have to go back to this idea, are you doing strategy for you, or are you doing strategy to, Better to, the organization. to drive change yeah. in the organisation? I'm really glad you said about everybody in the organisation knowing what the strategy is, what the purpose is. Because when you were talking about distilling into the smallest possible piece of information, um, it, it worried me slightly that you might then fall into the trap of um, only telling people what they need to know. And and of course, that's where you start siloing information. Correct. Information and, is and, power. And, and this, this smallest piece of valuable information is a very carefully put together phrase because it's not about siloing. It is about what is the smallest most valuable piece of information yeah and so that is that doesn't mean let's not talk about other people's things it may well talk about other people's things but let's not tell you about what finance have to do yeah if you're in product when you really need to know what engineering and sales and marketing are doing for example but it's it's thoughtfulness i mean frankly across all of these things we talk about it is being thoughtful yeah. Now, I, I want to come back to something that we, we talked about. And I also want to give you a chance to laugh again, because I'm I'm going to declare something that might be a strategy, and I'm pretty sure it's tactics. But I want to talk about it because I think it's really useful. So if, you're, if you are in the military, have a military background, none of this will be interesting. And if anything, you'll go, that's not quite how it works, Chris, but bear with me. For people in the business world, though... Um, in the military, there is there is a there is a handbook. If you go, and my example is a Royal Naval Base, and if you are in that base and you go to the guard room, there are standing orders. Yeah. Standing orders tells you everything you need to know. If everyone in the Royal Navy dies and you join the Royal Navy, you are the sole member, go to the guard room, read standing orders, and it will tell you how the Royal Navy works on a day-to-day basis. And by the way, the reason why I know this is one day, heaven knows why, I was officer of the day. <laughs> and I thought, I have no idea how to be officer of the day. And, they, and then some very nice chief petty officer said, don't worry, sir, read this. Read this. And all of a sudden I knew. Now, the reason why I bring that up, and to be honest, whether it's strategy or tactics, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you can, you can laugh me on that one. What was really interesting there, though, was that is not a 100-page document or a 200-page document, that's a 1,000-page document because it describes how you take the rubbish out. It does these other things. I thought that was 
genius. How do you take a huge number of people and how do you get them to act in a consistent manner? So in a sense, it's almost contrary to my smallest, most useful piece of information. What was interesting there was we're taking very large amounts of information and very large documents and sharing it. So, But that's a reference and it's not an articulation of a plan. It is a, if you want to take the bins out, this is how you do it. If you want to call first parade, this is how you do it. They're, they are, by individual blocks, tactical actions. Yes. yes, You can compile those together to develop what you want to achieve. The beauty of that, of course, is when you've got a large body of personnel split across different sites, you can very, very quickly create homogeneity. Um, well, this is your way in large, complex organisations to deliver tactics that meet your strategy in a consistent absolutely. way. Absolutely. And, and at first, to people who've perhaps not played with these definitions and, and these concepts that much before, it seems paradoxical. Because we're talking about mission command, we're talking about delegation of decision-making authority, we're talking about changing operating environments. But at the same time, we're then espousing this idea of standing orders and sort of ways of working. And I think the difference is where, where the situation isn't going to change, the piece of equipment will always operate in this particular way. So until you retire that piece of equipment and buy in a new one, you don't need to change the operating manual on how it works. For things that are going to change, pricing, the distance you're going to cover, how many shop fronts you're going to open, whatever the thing is that is relational to a complex environment that is changing and dynamic, there isn't a rule book. There isn't a reference where it says, you know, you need to do this. That is where you need to have that judgment. So I think there's a, what seems initially as sort of contrary ideas that are fighting against each other in tension actually are mutually supportive. We've, this is a, a very current, business thing particularly in the product management world so um and this is in every organization i've been this tension exists there is this concept of um an agile team an agile development team and and the, one of the key the key sort of principles behind this is a self-organizing team yeah which and and again i'll, I'll get shot for saying this is organize in a way that makes the team most successful and what that means is it doesn't have to be like the team next to you but there is a there is a, a competing and competing maybe is the wrong word there is an idea that says that is effective for the team but when you are looking at the the larger organization there is a value in consistency and so this, I, this, this is an interesting idea of sort of standardization. In the smaller team, standardization is going to kill us and slow us down and we don't behave that way. But there's this tension that says, yes, but in a team, and, and this is real world, I need to do release planning. I need to understand when a thing will be delivered. And that thing is only delivered when multiple people do a certain thing. I'm imagining there's an equivalent military example. Yeah. So therefore... If each of my team does this in a different non-standard way, I now have real difficulty in understanding how I can pull these together and so when it happens. And yeah. so the, uh, what 
I, 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 this is a slight sort of departure from our conversation about strategy, but there are times when consistency beats individuality and self-organization. Yeah. And there is time when self-organization beats consistency. The problem is you need to be smart enough to know how to balance the two and when which one is. But I mean, I, I have to believe there's a similar thing in the military. Which uh, absolutely. Alftrag's tactic are great, but you can't have a bunch of people running off over there when everyone is running off in the other direction. Absolutely. Um, and and we, we implement what we call restraint and constraints on wh- how far people can take that uh, authority, and we talk about this when we talk about command with, with John, um, authority and accountability and responsibility. How far do you have delegated authority to make decisions? Um, but I think your your point about the balance between continuity and homogeneity versus individualism and the ability to try new things are constantly in tension. And for me, it's about the problem. If it's a complicated problem, then homogeneity is the answer because you need efficiency and you need a standard operating procedure. It might be that that does get improved, um, but you need a constant where it's a complex problem, where there are or a novel uncertainties, yeah. then you need a, an iterative approach. You need to a trial new things. You need to fail forward. You need to experiment. It doesn't necessarily relate directly proportionally to the size of the team, but I think there is definitely a more complex nature to command at higher levels. I, I, the, a couple of sort of parting thoughts, because I think we need to finish off, but um, I think that tension is something people should not even be comfortable with, but almost seek. Because otherwise, where I've been is it's been a binary discussion consistency is bad or consistency is good you know the ability to self-organize is good also no 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 both of them are good and bad it's the tension that matters uh, one final thing i want to say for for organizations and because i've been there multiple times myself as well the reason why i, I sort of was reminded to bring up the standing orders conversation is because it is very rare in businesses that they have written down what they do right and that becomes a problem. Yes. And the reason why that happens is when you start, you're small, you're fast, you're nimble, and I don't need to write it down because I'm doing it. And then there's two of you, and that's okay because you lean over and say, how did we do it? Where are we? And there's this magical point no one tells you when all of a sudden you're a large team, you're in disparate locations, and you have different pieces of information, and someone says, why do we do it that way? Oh, I thought we did it that way. And so yeah. um, in organisations, my experience has been, particularly when companies have sort of been working with private equity firms and the business has been sold, the private equity firms come in and say, can you show us your working? How does your business work? And inevitably what happens, I'm about to get sort of dirty emails from people saying you're not allowed to say this. The moment the private equity firms start discussing the sale, everyone goes, start writing it down start writing it down that's not great you shouldn't be doing it for the private equity firm you should be doing it for the business yeah well i think on that note we'll uh, we'll draw it to a close but what i would like to propose is that the next time we meet chris we talk about high performing teams and i will introduce a 
story about when I was uh, on counter piracy operations off the coast of Somalia, where I can show you how the balance of standing operational procedures and drills and individuality helped us achieve the mission. Well, that will open that conversation. It's a perfect time to finish, especially when you remind me that you have much, much better stories than I do. That time I was in the boardroom and something really funny and dangerous happened. But, you know, that. so I think that's about all for this episode. Thank you for joining us. Um, if you've liked uh, what you've heard, please uh, f- uh, tell your friends. We'd also love to have you join the conversation with your stories, ideas, and actually, as we've sort of uh, got our feet under the table, we'd love to hear your suggestions for topics and your questions as well. Uh, you can follow us, suggest future topics, or even ask us a question on Twitter. And we are at Battling With Business. And as if you've listened before, you know that is Business With A Z. But for now, though, uh, goodbye and thank you very much. Goodbye. Thank you.